You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. All right. Hey, we are going to start a new series this morning called Maturity. You say maturity. Um, I, I remember when, um, when someone calling you immature was like really offensive. Like, oh, you're so immature. Like, I don't know if you had, did that. Someone, someone said that to you, it was offensive because you wanted to be mature. Now, especially for guys, if a girl told you you were immature, that was like really a big jab because you wanted to be mature in you know, female eyes. Um, but I, I, was, I was struggling with, with this title because I wasn't sure if it was gonna be spiritual maturity, biblical maturity. I just think we're gonna stick with maturity. Um, I really believe that each and every one of us, God is calling us to be mature. There's a wonderful book that uh, Warren Wiersbe did. It's, it's really a commentary on the book of James in, in the scriptures. And he really attributes that the whole writing of the book of James is meaning is to be mature. Uh, and so if you ever want to do an in-depth study on spiritual maturity, go check out that book by Warren Wiersbe. It's called Be Mature, based on the book of James. It goes through an entire book and these aspects of us growing to be like Christ. Um, uh, I want to start off this morning with a snippet of a sermon uh, by a man named John Stott. John Stott was an English Anglican theologian and cleric. And so this is just a snippet of, of one of the sermons that he preached on the subject of maturity. What is spiritual maturity? Well, the apostle call it maturity in Christ. To be in Christ is his commonest expression for what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is not just somebody who goes to church and has been baptized or reads the Bible, a Christian is a man or a woman in Christ. That doesn't mean inside Christ as tools are in a box or as your clothes are in a closet. To be in Christ means to be united with Christ. As the vine is in the branches or as the limbs are in the box, um, in the body. To be in Christ is to be organically united to Christ Jesus. So if to be a Christian is to be in Christ, related to Christ, to be a mature Christian is obviously to have a mature relationship with Christ. A relationship in which we trust him and in which we worship him obey him can we conceive a relationship like that a relationship with jesus christ in which this union with him has become mature it is a wonderful prospect for us what a question huh can you conceive a relationship like that a mature relationship with Christ, a relationship with Jesus in which your union with him becomes mature. If you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes this morning. Jesus, as we engage scripture and as we start this series on what it means to be mature, I pray that, that this 
the foundation of this series is an understanding of we want to grow in our relationship with you, Jesus. We don't, no longer want to live in, in, in infancy. We no longer want to live in a childlike state and where, where we remain in immaturity and, and, and are not experiencing the fullness of what you are calling us to as Christians. Lord, I pray that as Holy Spirit ministers to us, that we are not just taught, but Lord, I pray that conviction comes. I also pray that revelation comes. But even beyond that, Lord, I pray for obedience to follow all that comes with what we hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Over the next several weeks, we'll be um, diving into maturity. And so Vanessa and I are going to be doing this, this series together. And so we're looking forward to that. But specific, it's not just maturity, specifically spiritual maturity. Listen, that results in a mature relationship with Jesus, his church, and the world around you. You see, to, to be uh, uh, created by God means we're created in his nature. Being created in God's divine nature, we're called to be relational. We, we've been called to not be alone. We, God, God said it is not good for man to be alone, so he gave him Eve. But be, before he was given Eve, he was given God himself. And so that's the relationship that is primary. That's the relationship necessary for spiritual maturity to take place. But then there's these other relationships that the Lord adds to us also to mature us as a people of God. And so we'll dive into a little bit of all that. Um, so during these next four weeks, we'll... we'll also unpack different stages of our spiritual life, right? So we see spiritual infancy. We see spiritual children and adolescents, and then we will we'll, um, look into spiritual maturity, what that looks like for us as a people. And so I, I want you to ask yourself these two questions. Is, is where am I at today in, in my maturity level with the Lord? This is, this is a, um, a hard question to ask ourselves. This is, takes us being really honest with ourselves. It takes us going down deep and, and looking into who we are and looking back at the actions that have, have followed who we say we are and say, okay, Lord, where am I at with, when it comes to my spiritual maturity? Am I still in an infant stage? And being in an infant stage means a lot of your needs need to be met by external resources, Right, So you think of a baby stage, and they need to be fed, and they need to be changed, and they need to be coddled, and they need to be comforted, and they need to be guided, and they need to be protected. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with these stages, these stages we see in Scripture. But we have to be aware of where we're at. So then we see spiritual childhood and adolescence where, hey, we're starting to learn more. We can, we can feed ourselves a bit. We can take care of ourselves. We still make some mistakes. There's still some things that we're, uh, we, we, we haven't had revelation on or the wisdom to execute in our lives. And so we're learning. And so what we're doing is coming alongside of other mature Christians and allowing them to speak into our lives and to disciple us and to uh, allow, uh, allow ourselves to be trained and groomed within a community that is all projected towards Jesus, right? And then we see spiritual maturity where you are actually the one who are functioning as a resource for others, where you are, are pouring life into others and you are, are, are 
discipling others and leading others. And um, so um, we want to start this morning with where uh, does spiritual maturity start? So where does spiritual maturity start? For this, we're going to turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. And it says, it reads like this. There's a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. He says, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're what? Born again. Verse 4, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into a mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one, can you say no one? No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. Can you say water? And spirit. Water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth, listen, friends, to spiritual life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain, listen, how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Verse 10, Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you and I tell you that we know and have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, listen, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? I want to first look, look at this man, Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus was a religious leader. He was a, a Pharisee. Now, I know as Christians 2,000 years removed from uh, you know, the primitive church and, and when Jesus was walking the earth, when we say Pharisee, we kind of already have these religious understanding of that. It's almost like the word Pharisee means hypocrite as soon as you read it. And so we have to understand that this was a respected Jewish leader. Right? He was a Pharisee. Uh, the Pharisee were a Jewish social movement and a school of thought um, um, in the Levant during the time of the second temple. And so what we understand the second temple is the first temple was destroyed. The second temple was built. We know earlier, you know, when, when the first temple um, was built and there was different reigns throughout Jewish history. And so throughout Jewish history, you had the reign of the kings, you had the reign of the prophets, you had the reign of the judges. Um, and then now it, it, after the dark ages, they were led by rabbis. They were led by teachers because they were be being conquered people. They weren't allowed to have their own kings and they weren't allowed to have their own, you know, kind of prominent one-man leadership because Caesar wouldn't allow it, but he would allow them to practice the religion that they practiced. And so these Pharisees were that social movement that was leading the Jews at the time. And so it, it was called rabbinic um, leadership. 
And so um, these uh, Pharisees' beliefs became foundational, liturgical, and liturgical means this a, a liturgy that they followed. They followed kind of the things that were set before them by these rabbis and ritualistic based on rabbinic Judaism. And so this was a respected man who was a part of a, a religious leadership that was respected by the Jewish culture at the time. And so this man comes to Jesus at night in secret. So it, 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 it took some humility to do that, but he wasn't humble enough to do it in public. It had to happen in secret. Not only was he a, a rabbi, not only was he a Pharisee, listen, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. And being a member of the Sanhedrin, there's two um, collectives of the Sanhedrin. One would be kind of like the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court at the time, the Sanhedrin, it was 71 of these Sanhedrin, they were, they were rabbis, who were put over the entire nation. And so if there was something to be decided that was like above like local issues, it had to go to the high Sanhedrin court. So that was 71 rabbis who sat over that. But if it was a lower Sanhedrin court, it was about, uh, there's, there's some conflict whether it was 21 or 23, but it was either 21 or 23 of the Sanhedrin that would preside over local matters. We don't know which court that he sat on, but we, we know that he sat on a significant one because they're here in Jerusalem, and then we eventually see some things in uh, his life later that would suggest that he was part of that high court of the Sanhedrin, one of those 71. And so Jesus tells him, right? Um, you must be born again. You must be born again. But what's funny is how Nicodemus comes to Jesus. When he comes to Jesus, he says, teacher, we all know. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. And, and I believe this is some of the condition of the church today. Like we all know. I really believe that we are the most educated, learned, theologically developed generation of the church ever. We have access to the greatest theological minds of all time that was ever written down. We can pull it up online. We could go to libraries. We can, uh, I mean, we could see manuscripts. I mean, we are such a privileged people when it comes to collecting knowledge. And I believe that the church has done this in exchange for the things of the spirit. I do believe that the church has done this as in, in, in a way to say, hey, we know. I believe we all know was a head thing for Nicodemus. He knew these things. He was a rabbi. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. So he knew these things. But maybe like me, I think Jesus had to take him to school for a little bit. <laughs> One of the things that I think has disturbed me over the 24 years of, of being a dad is when you talk to your kids and they say, I know, dad. I know, Dad. I mean, yesterday, or yeah, I think it was last night, we were trying to tend to, to Judah because he got extremely sunburned yesterday at the beach. And so Vanessa was putting all this stuff on him to, and t telling him how to care for himself. He's like, I know, Mom. I know, Mom. And we're like, no, you don't know, bro, because you wouldn't be like 
blistering like a lobster right now if you knew, like, like there's just things, right? You know, tie your shoe or you're going to trip. And you know, look both ways before you cross the street. If you leave that out, your baby sister's going to get it. If you, if, you, if you go swimming five minutes after you eat, you're going to get a cramp. That was a, that was a lie because that never happened. So, <laughs> but that thing we know, Dad, right? It, it, it's no, you actually don't. And so he said, we all know that God has sent you because of the miraculous signs. And I really believe that Jesus could have answered him like, no, I don't think you do know. Because if you did know, then your life would look a lot different. <laughs> but Jesus didn't answer him that way. Um, Jesus is, is gracious with him. Nicodemus, at this point in his life, was lacking two things. He was, he was lacking revelation True revelation from God of who Jesus was. And second was repentance. And how we know this is because all that follows after these questions that Nicodemus is asking, we see Jesus preaching the gospel to him. This is John 3. I mean, this is where we find John 3, 16, John 3, 17. I mean, it's just this, this beautiful portion of scripture is all a conversation with Nicodemus, the one who said, we all know. And yet Jesus has to lead him back to the gospel, back to the basic foundational truths of what it means to be born again. And this first night, we see this secret encounter with Jesus. But then in John 7, when the Jewish leaders are plotting to arrest Nicodemus, we, arrest Jesus, I'm sorry, Nicodemus actually is the one who advocates for Jesus. He says, hey, doesn't there have to be a trial? And doesn't someone actually have to be found guilty before we can arrest them and kill them? Like, I mean, this, this, this is him beginning to advocate for Jesus. And then later in John 19, after the crucifixion, it is Nicodemus along with Joseph of Arimathea who actually prepared Jesus' body for burial. We see this beautiful kind of progression of who this man Nicodemus was. But here in this encounter, we're going to focus on John 3. Some scholars believe that Nicodemus was speaking in flattery to Jesus when he says, you know, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. Um, but have you ever noticed when you read this scripture that Jesus doesn't, or Nicodemus never asks a question. He doesn't ask anything. He comes up to Jesus and he says, we know that God has sent you. We know that God is with you because of the miraculous signs. And Jesus' response, the Bible says he replies to him, you must be born again. I mean, have you ever cut someone off mid-sentence because you know what's in their heart, but they're telling you something different? Like they're telling you something, you're like, no. Like we do it with our kids all the time. No, go clean your room. Nope, go clean your room. Like, right, we, we jump to the conclusion rather than waiting for all the fluff and all the, you know, bells and whistles. We want to get to the heart of things. And this is Jesus with Nicodemus. Doesn't ask him a question, but this is the answer that God gives to this, this searcher. He's a seeker. He wants to know. He comes to Jesus because he wants to know. And this is a good thing. Number one, you must be born again. My argument this morning for us, church, is that maturity starts at birth. Maturity begins at birth. I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so if we're talking about spiritual maturity, you first must be born again in order to start your spiritual maturity journey. Can you say amen to that? Amen. 
So Jesus tells Nicodemus this, and Nicodemus asks, what do you mean? So you guys can ask that this morning. So I say you must be born again, and then you guys say, what do you mean? I'm glad you asked. Here we go. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And listen, Nicodemus was not an ignorant man. I mean, this was a learned man. This was, he was an older man. So in Jewish culture, you're, you're not joining the Sanhedrin as some you know, young hotshot you know, 25-year-old. He was an older man. He was an elder amongst the community. This guy was, was a smart man. And he wasn't, he wasn't being facetious when he was saying, how can a man go back? I mean, he, wasn't, he understood that Jesus was talking about something else. So he asked, what do you mean? Like, unpack that for me. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born. This is Jesus' response. What this means is to be born again is no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. Can you say water? Water. And spirit. Water and spirit. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. First, we see water, being born of water. And water is the biblical, spiritual, and prophetic element of purity. Water is used to purify. We see this, uh, the purification comes from from a washing, Hebrews 10.10. Our sins are washed away and we are made clean because Christ gave his own body as a gift to God. He did this once for all time. He did this once for all time. Acts twenty two sixteen. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Let me give you a quick plug. If you have never been baptized and you have said yes to Jesus, you need to be baptized. It's a commandment of the Lord. Your opportunity, your next opportunity with us is September 11th. We're holding baptism. If you have never been baptized, we believe that God has called all of his believers to be baptized. So on September 11th, we're going to celebrate that. So get up and be baptized, right? Be, be made clean. Christ gave his own body as a, or, or I'm reading another verse. Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away Be calling by calling on the name of the Lord. 1 John 1, 9. But if you confess, if we confess our sins to him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. This is what this this being born again with water looks like, right? Confession, listen, is not only an acknowledgement of guilt, but more importantly, a response to that guilt. The inability, listen, friends, the inability to take responsibility for your own actions is a significant sign of immaturity. If you believe that, say amen. How many of you get frustrated with people who can't take responsibility for their own actions? Someone who, who doesn't have the ability to say, yes, I was wrong. Yes, I did this. Someone who doesn't know how to apologize. Uh, so we're, 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 we're in the beginning stages of, of potty training Ray. She, she's been hard. So I'm teaching her to communicate with me honestly. And so if she... Goes poo-poo. I said, do you have poo-poo in your chonies? And she goes, no. And I'm like, Ray, 
It's okay. I just need to know. You have to tell me so that we can start communicating because as soon as you're able to start communicating, then we can move this process along a lot quicker. Ray Ray, do you have poopoo in your chonies? No. Okay. Ray Ray, say yes. Yes. Do you have poopoo in your chonies? No. So I'm like, baby girl, we can't get any further until you're willing to take responsibility for your actions. You're responsible for the poopoo in the chonies right now. Did you put the poopoo in the chonies? No. We can agree that taking responsibility for your actions is a sign of maturity. But listen, friends, there is no rebirth. There's no being born of water. There's no being purified and washed of your sins if you're not willing to repent. And repentance is you saying, yes, Lord, I am a sinner. Yes, God, I have sinned and I have transgressed against you. And because I have transgressed against you, I want to turn from that sin. And it's not just turning from that sin. I love Sean Mandoli. He was here on Tuesday with the men. He pointed this out so brilliantly. It's not just repentance. It's not just turning from sin. It's turning towards God. It is turning towards God. You can turn from sin all day long and it's behavior modification. But if you never turn towards God, there is no true cleansing of sin. This is what being born of water looks like. Rebirth begins with the purification. That holy washing does not take place without repentance. Next, we see born of the spirit. This is what, how he is telling Nicodemus, this is how you're born again. First of water and spirit. Water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the holy life gives birth to a spiritual life. Now, this was a man who had dedicated himself to the worship of Yahweh. But somewhere in, in that, that worship, it, it became temple worship and not actual adoration towards Yahweh, the most high God. I mean, these men had the ability to, to li live according to the list. I mean, there was hundreds of laws that they had to keep. There was Sabbath laws and temple laws and cultural laws and, 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 and dietary laws. There was all these laws that they were able to keep, and this was a man who was able to keep them. This was a man who had the ability to discipline himself, to live a certain way, believing that that was actual worship towards God. And yet Jesus tells this man, you must be born again. And that takes place by you asking forgiveness of your sins. He's telling this to a rabbi. And listen to this, and being born of the spirit. You see, you can do a whole lot of things in your life to make your life look good. You, you, can, you can do a whole lot to, uh, uh, to yourself. And uh, there's, there's a portion of scripture where he's talking to the rabbi. He's like, man, you can... You, you, to, live a, to continue a lifestyle that you're living is like putting makeup on a corpse. It's not about fixing it up so it looks good. It's about being born of the Spirit, and only the Holy Spirit can do that kind of work. It's not your actions. It's not the keeping of all the laws. It's not the keeping of all the programs. It's not your church attendance. It's not your Bible reading. It's, this is actually the Holy Spirit's work. 
Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And this is where spiritual maturity begins. When you think of spirits, first we have water, purification, then we have spirit, the wind, the word here is the wind and breath of God. The wind and breath of God. When you think of, of the birthing process, it starts with the, with the water breaking. And what does it end with? Breath. When that baby takes its first breath, I mean, you're just waiting, breathe, breathe. I mean, there's just like a few moments of anxiety, like take your breath. You know, you just want to hear that cry because you know that's life, that's, that's breath and it's God breathing. And when that baby takes breath, then the birthing process is complete. No breath, no life. And I just, just want us to think about your baptism for those of you who have been baptized, and for those of you who will be baptized, just think about this. Your baptism, this, this holy sacrament that the church has participated in since, since the beginning. Listen, when you go down into that water, it's the death of your old person. It's your old man dying. It's your physical, carnal, sinful death. And it's going down into that water. And while you're being plunged down and plunged up, there's this holy purification that is taking place supernaturally because of your act of obedience. And as you come out of that water, you're coming out a new creation, sins washed away, purified, being reborn. But friends, and then the breath of God comes and we're waiting for that. <gasps> the spirit of the living God enters into all of those who receive God wholeheartedly. This is a picture of what our baptism is. Spiritual baptism, water baptism. Only the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And being baptized in water, being baptized in spirit, this is the day that spiritual maturity begins. This is the day that spiritual maturity begins. At first breath, you are now on a maturity journey. I mean, just think about it. it, it when, when you have children, it's a rush to get them to do things for themselves, right? As soon as they can feed their, themselves, this is awesome. As soon as, you know, they can communicate, this is awesome. As soon as they can, you know, get themselves dressed and put on their shoes. And Vanessa was telling Ray Ray this morning, Ray Ray, get your shoes on. She's like, I need help. She's like, no, you know how to do it. Put your shoes on, right? There's, there's like, this is, there's, a, there's a, a race to get there because listen, friends, Jesus is coming and he's coming to pick up a mature bride. He's not coming to pick up an infant bride. He's coming to pick up a mature bride. There's a, there's a maturity process that needs to take place. And it starts at breath. And I think sometimes we, we, we prolong it and we see it in our, in our culture today. People are prolonging their adolescence. I mean, it's taking people longer to grow up. It's taking, I mean, and there's even small things. And listen, if you've done this, this is not a judgment. It's just cultural things. But man, when I was a kid, as soon as you were 15 and a half years old, you were in line with your birth certificate and anything else you needed at the DMV ready to get that license. 
Man, kids today don't even want their driving license. I'm like, they don't even want to go to the, I mean, it's like, we couldn't wait to 15 and a half. We like had our permits and we were like crazy kids on the road. Like it was nuts. But people don't even want to do that. Just think about this. The, the early church, as soon as they heard the gospel, they went out and preached the gospel. And somehow we, we've bought into this, oh, you got to wait to do that. You know, you got to be trained and, you know, you got to go through this. You got to be in church for so many years. And you got to go to this Bible school and you got to go to seminary. You got to do all this stuff before you can do any of that. No, people were healed, saved, delivered, and started preaching the gospel and healing people the next day. We have to know that, that this journey of, of Maturity isn't a, a longevity. No, we don't ever stop growing. No, we don't ever stop becoming more mature. But I'm telling you that infancy and adolescent stage has been prolonged by the church for far too long. As soon as the breath of God enters you, I believe you are a capable man and woman of God to do amazing exploits for your king. It takes faith. So when I talk about baptism, when I even talked about, hey, this is what happens in baptism, most Christians would say, yeah, we know. You know, you're, you're a new creation in Christ. Sins are washed away, you know. But, but what? Nicodemus, an educated, devout leader in the Jewish faith, struggled with these truths. I believe we do too. I would venture to say that many of us know these things, but how many of us have allowed these things to grip us and have allowed these things to play out in our lives as Christians? Listen to the next verses that Jesus communicates to Nicodemus after he says, you must be born again of water and of spirit. He now begins to go into the gospel. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the son of man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So now he's pointing Nicodemus to himself. After this rebirth, it's a complete focus, as Gavin uh, uh, so graciously led us through our community. It's a focus on Jesus. It, it, it's our, our everything, our focus, our attention is directed towards Jesus. And, and when we are looking in other directions, and as, as Gavin preached my sermon this morning, we get distracted. And this is where the lack of maturity happens. Because we're not focused on Jesus. We're focused on everything else. If, it, if you are focused on an area of your life, I'm sure that that area of your life will get developed either negatively or positively, depending on what the area is. So if you want to be a musician, if you focus on an instrument, you're probably going to become a better musician. Right? If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're a negative person and you focus on negativity, you're probably become, going to become a better negative person, if you know what I mean. If you focus on an area, you're going to mature in that area. When we focus on Jesus, we're going to mature in that area. For this is how God loved the world. This is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment. Can you say no judgment? There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. I'm going to say that again. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. I'm going to have a pause there. The number one thing the devil will use against you is guilt and shame. And guilt and shame are the two things that he has used to keep God's children in immaturity more than anything else. And so you have no judgment on you because you believe in him, and yet somehow you're stuck in your maturity level because you don't believe you can go any further because the enemy keeps telling you how guilty you are and how sinful you are and how you can't do that and you can't do that. And so you, you, you get stuck in this place. And I really believe that God wants to remind each and every one of us that sin has been handled once and for all. And for those who have believed, there is no more judgment. So you get to walk into maturity. You get to step into maturity because God says you get to. And when the enemy says, no, you can't do that. You know, you, you know, uh, I mean, do you know how many times the, the enemy whispers into ministers' life? I mean, ears right before they minister? before you get up to preach a sermon, before you get up to sing a song, before you get up to give a Bible study, you know how many times the enemy just likes to whisper like, oh yeah, really? You're just gonna go preach? After that argument you have with your wife, you're just gonna go you know, preach? Like, like, now I'm not saying we should be licentious and not be, live repentant lifestyles, but what I'm saying is the enemy will use these things to keep us in immaturity. And so we're like, so we see, oh, I'll never be mature, so I'll just stay here. I'm telling you, friends, that's an act of disobedience. And we have to break that pattern in our lives. He gave his only, uh, blah, 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 verse 18. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And listen to this, friends. And the judgment is based on this fact. Those who are judged, it's based on this fact. God's light came into the world. Jesus came into the world. But people love the darkness more than the light. For their actions are evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go into it for fear their sins will be exposed. You guys hearing me? There's this wrestle between allowing ourselves to be living fully in the light of God when you have a revelation that your sins have been forgiven and you have a revelation that there is no judgment upon you because you believe in, believe in Jesus, it is so much easier to live in the light even when you make mistakes, even when you fall and scrape your knees and sin, even when you do that because we know the grace of God is sufficient for us and we can live in the light. But those who choose to live in the darkness, there's clearly a line when we choose to live in the darkness, friends, we're choosing to not only reject the grace that God has given us, but the person of Jesus himself. All who do evil, hate the light, refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light 
so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Isn't that maturity? Isn't that maturity? Isn't the ability to live in the light and do what God wants? Isn't, isn't that the mature life, the simplest form of maturity that God is calling us to, just to do what he wants? And, and, and that has to be broken. And, and one of the saddest things to see about the church today is we can't tell what light is and darkness is anymore sometimes even in the church. This culture is telling us bad is good and good is bad and light is dark and dark is good. And it's telling us it's confusing. We can't be confused. Jesus has told us what the light is. Jesus has told us what is true. Jesus has told us what is good. We just have to accept it and walk into it. Your spiritual maturity starts, listen friends, with exiting the darkness. That's where your maturity starts, when you exit the darkness. And why I see so many in, the, in churches today who cannot mature in God because they have not exited the darkness. We're flirting with sin and we're allowing that sin to grip us more than Christ has gripped us. Are you in Christ? Because if you are in Christ, if you are in a relationship with Christ, then nothing should be gripping your life like him. Our fight for spiritual maturity, listen, friend, will consist of our fight to remain in the light. That's what spiritual maturity looks like, is us fighting to remain in the light. Sin has been conquered Death has been conquered. Jesus has done it all. We have to just fight to stay in the light. Are you? Do we? When darkness presents itself, are, are, are we turning our back from it? Or are we being lured by it again and again and again? The ability to exit the darkness and the ability to remain in the light. We're both made available by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Listen, friends, and are both possible through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can produce spiritual life. Only the Holy Spirit can produce spiritual maturity. We need the spirit of the living God now more than ever. He is God on earth, if we're gonna mature, we need him to indwell and to infill, and we need to follow his leading like never before. Where does our spiritual maturity start, friends? You must be born again. If you are born again in this place, we celebrate that decision that you made however long ago. But we are also here, as Ephesians tells us, to equip you to be a mature bride. And we are all called into maturity. So where you are today, you should not be tomorrow. Where you are tomorrow, you should not be the day following. There's a call to maturity, I believe, that is sounding like an alarm over the church. But it starts with being born again. If you've already said yes to Jesus, we celebrate that. 
If you have never said yes to Jesus, then I wanna present that to you this morning. If you guys can close your eyes. If you have never accepted Christ into your heart, if Jesus today is not the Lord of your life, then I would love for you to make that decision. It's clear. The question in Nicodemus' heart, he didn't even ask, but Jesus knew it. What does it take, Lord, to inherit the kingdom of God? And he said, you must be born again. You must be born again. If you haven't done that and you would like to do that this morning, I would love for you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Is there anyone like that that hasn't said yes to Jesus and would like to do that today? Okay. So my assumption this morning is everyone in this place has said yes to Jesus and have said, yes, I want to be born again. So if you believe that you are born again this morning, I would love for you to stand. The Bible says we are born of water and of spirit. If you have never been baptized, my encouragement to you this morning is to come up to myself or to Brett or to Steve or to Ken after service and let us know that you want to be baptized. September 11th is that day. We'll have, we'll have a, a walkthrough of what that means for you. Much of everything I preach today um, covers baptism. You must be born again. This is what starts our spiritual maturity journey. And so tomorrow, we, I mean, next week, we, we get to build because this room right now is born again. Because we are born again, now we know that we are on a journey together towards Jesus. We are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we are called to maturity. And I believe that God has maturity in your future. And if you believe that, I would just love for you to close your eyes and just lift your hands to the Lord. My prayer for us is for the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the immature areas of our life. If we're still flirting with sin, I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you. If you're living a double lifestyle, I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you. It is not judgment, it is conviction for you to change your ways, to repent and to turn towards God. If you have been living in, in, in an immature place, because you have refused the responsibility that God is trying to give you, the responsibility to mature in God, to feed yourself with the word of God, to spend time in his presence, to be intimate with God, to develop that relationship. I want you to be honest with yourself. Lord, I haven't taken responsibility for this relationship that I have with you. That's where this starts. To be mature is to have a mature relationship with God. If that's your prayer today, just pray to the Lord. If you need to repent, if you need to ask for forgiveness for your relationship and you're part of your relationship with God, then do that. Lord, we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
afraid of you. But Lord, is this holy all because of who you are. And a revelation that comes with that, the wisdom that is endowed upon us, God, I pray. It's not just knowledge, it's the wisdom that acts on the knowledge that we carry. We know that we're called into a right relationship with you. We know that in order to mature this relationship, we need to spend time with you. We know in order to develop maturity, we need to stay out of the darkness and remain in the light. We know that it's only the Holy Spirit who can generate life. But Lord, I pray, I pray for the sons and daughters in this household that we won't just know, but we will live it. We will live it by the power of your spirit. Amen and amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, can we give Jesus praise? Very cool. All right. Hey, um, because we're born again, next week we get to talk about spiritual infancy. And so that's going to be fun. Um, be prayerful this week, friends. Be prayerful in, in, in your, and sober-minded about your, your maturity level in God. I really believe that God wants to reveal things to each of us, each of us in areas that we can grow and will grow. And so, uh, but that takes us being honest with him and ourselves, and eventually with others. Um, doing this discipleship thing that we're called to, that takes you being honest with others. That takes us being honest with community. And, and we can't do that unless we're really uh, courageous. And so be prayerful about that, because I believe God is going to be doing an acceleration in this very thing in the life of our church. Amen? All right, hey, have a great week. Uh, we love you. Uh, if you're gonna get baptized, let us know. Uh, women, don't forget about signing up for the getaway. And Saturday, we'll see you here at 10 a.m. for our uh, two-by-two outreach. See you guys soon. Oh, sure. Uh, Vanessa has a question or a statement real quick. It's on. It's not on. No, it's not on. Cool. Thanks. All right. See you guys soon.